0: Hello, I'm John Ellis and welcome to episode 64 of Petaudry PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Harland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, David Dermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the Morning of Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. And in due course, we'll preview our next game in the Via Play Cup semi-final against Rangers on Sunday at Hamden. But we'll start by reviewing our most recent match from Saturday past, when our visitors were in Johnston. That one ended 2-0 for the Dons with a Duke double. Uh, You've witnessed all the games since we came back from the World Cup break, Andrew, including last week's, that nil-nil draw with Ross County. What was your take on, on this match v St. Johnston? It was a satisfying victory. Hard fought. First half, Aberdeen were
1: the better side and we did think that they'd taken the lead midway through. Clever free kick from Leighton Clarkson to Duke at the edge of the area. Nice spin away from his defender and the ball in the back of the net and we all thought, great, 1-0 one nil up and then glanced down and unfortunately the blue VAR screen appeared with the dreaded words checking potential offside and as it turned out i think duke's shoulder had been offside a correct decision, albeit a very frustrating one for everyone involved at Pataudry. But into the second half, St. Johnson came slightly more into the game without threatening Kelerus' goal in any way, shape or form. And just as you turned to me and said, you know what, I think we should take Duke off. He looks <laughs> tired up front there. Duke goes and scores the opening goal. Uh, but then followed 10 minutes where I thought referee Ewan Anderson kind of lost the plot a little bit where... Every decision seemed to be going St. Johnston's way. It was 50-50 decisions that all seemed to go in the visitors' favour. And I turned to Ian and said, we really need a second goal to put this game to bed because if one of these is anywhere near the penalty area, we could be in trouble here. And seconds later, Johnny Hayes delivered the perfect corner and and Duke, for a little guy, does exceptionally well in amongst the land of the Giants in the the six-yard area, gets his head on it. It's 2-0 and all of a sudden the pressure's relieved. But um, there were good things to enjoy from the game. The fact that defensively we looked a bit more solid. Midfield most certainly bolstered by the appearance of Graham Shinney. The signing of Graham was a masterstroke because it just all of a sudden created a a feel-good factor around the club that permeated out into the stands, out into the streets. It took Graham 20 minutes to get from his car in the car park, to the front door at Patodri such was the, the throng of well-wishers looking for selfies and autographs, etc. Um, but he lifted everybody around him. It wasn't the perfect performance from him. He said afterwards, he said, you know, my passing wasn't great. I felt a little bit tired towards the end. You could see he went down with cramp. But just his presence there seemed to galvanise uh, the whole place. And in the end of the day, you know, a, a good three points. But it's only a, a, a minor step on the road to recovery, really. We've now got some very difficult games all away from home before we're next at Bataudry. So the proof will be in the pudding as to what we take out of these games.
0: Yeah, the uh, the media department at Bataudry was almost embarrassed at how much coverage they devoted to in his return. But the crowd, delighted to welcome him home, as you say, and he didn't disappoint, he just got back in the engine room and sort of got a ticking away, Dave.
2: Yeah, never looked as though he'd been away and... Uh... The thing with, with Graham is he's a winner, he's a shouter, you know, he, he's a natural leader, and the uh, the fans obviously so much appreciate that. And there's been some murmurings, not enough leaders on the park this season, and uh, Graham certainly epitomises that. I mean, make, make no mistake, he's captain material as he as he was the the Aberdeen skipper previously, and uh, he showed the way you know, straight back into it. And, as Andrew said, it wasn't a perfect performance, but it was a very good performance. and it, it made a difference to the whole feel of the game, I thought. I thought the performance on Saturday was a step up, and it had to be. Um, but, you know, in, in uh, partly that was down to the arrival of, of Graham, and uh, hopefully we can take the good out of Saturday. It wasn't the worst Aberdeen St. John's game, I have to say, because there have been some absolute horror stories in <laughs> and, the... And, uh, with these two teams when they get together, but but it, it was uh, you know and, and Duke is improving every single game and delighted for him and he's so close to getting a hat trick and uh, you know he's he's at the moment he he looks like uh, the guy that should be first name on the on the team sheet with these performances.
0: Yeah, quite interesting, I thought, Andrew, the moment that the the, uh, the goal went in, the very next opportunity for the Dons to press, all of a sudden they were hunting in packs again. They were sort of bearing down in goals. Amazing what a tiny bit of confidence returning does for a team, isn't it?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, uh, we commented on that. You know, that one, once they felt comfortable, I think it was just after the second goal went in that, that a St. Johnston player got in the ball and there was about five Aberdeen players mm-hmm. surrounded him. Even at 1-0, there was still that element of doubt. But at 2-0 with six minutes plus stoppage time to play, I think you you could definitely see the confidence coming back through the side. And, you know, there were some some decent individual performances. Ross McCrory, once again, from right back, got himself forward well. I thought Hayden Coulson on the other side, you know, in, in flashes, was very good. And uh, Ilber Ramadani, I'm sure, is one who will definitely... Um, benefit from having a graham shinney alongside him because a lot of the time he was doing the job of graham shinney running around and firefighting as much as anything else whereas he's got an an experienced campaigner like shinney alongside him that once the two of them get on the right wavelength as long as we're commenting we'll hope that they're not both bombing forward at the same time (laughs) one plays the ball square and goes oh i've missed the pass oh no that's the boy that's supposed to be keeping the back door shut um, yeah. that I was trying to pass to. They're experienced enough, the pair of them, that they'll they'll get that sorted out. And uh, you know there were certainly good signs. And as Dave said, for a, an Aberdeen St. Johnston game, it was reasonably open. Boyan Miofsky really should have had two, three goals, perhaps, mm. in the first half. He's just going through one of those spells where he needs something to just bounce off him and go into the back of the net to to renew his confidence. But um, him apart, I thought the rest, the rest of them looked pretty good. Matty Kennedy was quite quiet, ironically, when Jimmy Nichol was watching him in his role as assistant manager of Northern Ireland. It was a good day all round and uh, there's, there's definitely cause for optimism going into th- this weekend.
0: Would, um, just as an aside, Andrew, would, would Matty Kennedy have known that Jimmy Nichol was there to watch him?
1: I very, much, I very much doubt it. Mm. Um, I, I spoke to Jimmy beforehand, and they, uh, he was going to be in Aberdeen anyhow uh, to mm. visit his daughter. Not to give you any music back, Dave, by the way. <laughs> uh, surprise, <but> surprise. <laughs> he was going to be up anyhow, and it was on the morning of the game that he got to call from Michael O'Neill to say, pop along and, and take a look at Matty Kennedy, because he's here I am, I'm sitting in the director's box, I don't even have a tie with me, so I'm looking at a real scruff sitting in the director's box. Not that that would really worry Jimmy. Um, he'd be able to talk his way out of that one. But uh, no, I don't think Matty would have been aware of his presence at all.
0: Now, as much as uh, Duke was happy to receive all the plaudits, by contrast, as you mentioned there, Boya Miofsky appeared to be a little bit off the boil. He always starts. Do you see that changing, Dave?
2: Not really, because I think he's going through what every striker International strikers, every, every, which he is, of course, goes through, which is, you know, a few games where nothing seems to be going right. But as Andrew touched on, all it needs is, you know, one goal back. We know he's, the quality he's got. And I think get, get one goal back, lucky one or whatever, and the, the goals will start coming again. But he, he's a quality player. And I don't see, you know, he's also one of Jim's favourite players in his gym signings. So I don't see that changing in the short term. I certainly would be very surprised if he didn't
0: start on Sunday. may Mioski needing a little bit of impetus from the type of goals scored by Darren Mackie or Billy Dodds in the past. Now, um, the immediate pressure, not that he feels it, he assures us, is now off Jim Goodwin for the moment as thoughts turn to Rangers. But zooming out in the, on the fixture calendar, you mentioned this, Andrew, we're not back at Petodri now until next month. Four games on the road, with Rangers followed quickly by Hearts, then Darville and Hibbs, uh, and away from home, we haven't been able to buy a win. Uh, it could be season defining and career defining for Jim Goodwin, Andrew. Possibly. I mean, if you were to suffer
1: four defeats, I don't think you would survive past the third of these well, I don't four think so. games. Somehow, yeah. Because uh, Darvel would be the, the nail in everyone's coffins uh, if they were to lose down there. You could argue that it's a free hit on Sunday against Rangers, who will be favourites in the, the Cup semi-final. Then you go to Tynecastle, where Hearts are playing very well. They are not quite so good in the road, but they're making Tynecastle a fortress. So again, arguably a free hit. Darville, that's just a must win. There's just no getting away from it. Anything other than, than a, a solid professional victory is not acceptable there. And then Hibs, well, Hibbs managed to get themselves back to winning ways on Sunday, to see Kevin Nisbet's hat-trick at Fair Park. It's maybe not career-defining for Jim Goodwin, but it'll go a long way to pointing us as to where Aberdeen will finish in the league table. Because mm. if you were to win all four games, you'd be levelling points with hearts, albeit they'd have a, a game in hand. You'd be in the next round of the Scottish Cup, and most importantly, you'd be in a, a League Cup final, which mm. would be massive. Uh, and there's no way that you're going to sack your manager regardless of the results round about it other than the Darvel game if you beat Rangers on Sundays so but it's a very, very important run of games there's no getting away from it
0: Yeah, I, I don't know I, I, when you said it there I, it just made me bulk a bit the, the idea of Rangers being a free hit I can, I can almost go with but Hearts being a free hit just suddenly made, made me have a little bit of sick in my mouth for some reason ah, I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why I'm not prepared to let that one go no, but, um,
1: you know, you'd be going to Tynecastle, which has been notoriously a, a difficult place to go and get points. Although Aberdeen have put in some great performances down there mm. in the not too distant past. But the way the two teams have been, Hearts home form versus Aberdeen's away form, Absolutely. you would have to say that Hearts were very, very strong favourites.
0: Yes, I'll I'll give you that much now the uh, the January transfer window officially opened a couple of incoming players already the Dons getting their business going swiftly uh one you mentioned as a possibility on last week's episode first off Dave um allowed to go out and loan from Wigan the returning Graham Shinny a wonderful servant to the club before left with our well wishes now returning for however long a spell at the age of 31 and, and still plenty to offer by the looks of it
2: still plenty to offer and Dave uh... Graham himself said he comes back a better player, a more rounded player than than when he left, having you know worked with Wayne Rooney at at Derby, won the Derby Player of the Year in his opening season there, and uh, it's uh, cost cutting has been the reason. I mean, to keep Graham on a longer deal would be absolutely fantastic. How we're going to finance that would be the big stumbling point. I, I would have thought, but the positives are that Graham's family are back in Inverness, so you know there would be. The attraction. And also, Graham knows he's a, a local hero back at Pitordry. So, uh, and bottom line is he improves the team, which is the most important thing. And, you uh, know, I'm for one, I'm delighted to see him back. And, uh, fingers crossed that we can work. You know, if, if there's a will, there's usually a way, but other clubs will be
0: interested in Graham Shinney long term as well, I'm quite sure. Yeah, if there was a deal to be done, um, it would be to help build uh, his home in the uh, the north of Scotland. <laughs> if, only we, if only we knew a builder. Um, yeah, Graham, Graham doesn't really uh, fit the same sort of profile that, that Jim Goodwin's brought into the club so far, does he? In terms of age, Andrew, do you think this was more a case of an opportunity presenting itself rather than one we've been tracking and hoping to get over the line for a while?
1: I think that may well be the case, John, that um, as Dave has said, you know, um, Graham wasn't getting game time at Wigan. Colo Turi obviously had decided that he wasn't in his future plans. They're not a club that is absolutely awash with money. You know, they've got to operate within a budget. And if you've got a player there for the next eight, 18 months who's not going to be in your manager's plans, you're going to look at ways of getting him off the wage bills. So I think that may have been the case with with Graham, that that opportunity presented itself. And as Graham himself has said, he has always had the notion in the back of his head that he would come back to Aberdeen. I remember speaking to him at Easter Roads when he played his his last game for Aberdeen before going down south and I said, I'll see you again soon. He says, "Yeah." I'll be back, don't worry, I'll be back. And so it's great to see him back. And that was his 500th club appearance on Saturday, um, which it was a a great day all round for Graham. I think he he himself was quite overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and affection that there was for him from all around the place because you mentioned that the the media department had really gone all out on, on covering Every step of Graham's journey, from the time that he walked into Cormac Park to sign to the time that he he walked off the pitch on, on Saturday night. But he, it just tells you a, a bit about the guy and how important he potentially is to the football club. So I'm sure that he will be looking to get something over the line in the summer, which means that he's, his journey at Aberdeen continues. And uh, he was delighted to get through the game without a yellow card. I mean, it was funny um, because the the, the refereeing team came out of their dressing room to go and have a look around the pitch and there was Graham out in the pitch. Hello, guys. I'm back. Nice to see you all again. I'll do my best not to get a yellow card. (laughs) So whether it had been put into Ewan Anderson's head, nah, but he's a nice guy, this. I bet I'm not yellow-carded because, as Dave said, he was right in his face all the time. He he didn't have the armband on, but he was the captain of that side out there Mm. on Saturday. He was the leader. He was the, the the mouthpiece that was going and telling the referee when he was getting things right and getting things wrong. Um, but I, no, it, it doesn't quite fit the bill of the, the template that Jim Goodwin has been operating to in terms of young projectile style players. But when you get the opportunity to get someone of that calibre, he wants to come back to your football club. You're not going to turn him away.
0: Absolutely right And uh, and let's hope that we can Keep him past somewhere Another arrival And this one Much more in keeping With the with the club And uh, Goodwin transfer Mould There is such a thing Patrick Mislovich On uh, a loan for now With an exclusive option To sign full-time At the end of that loan period So one that appears to be For the longer term All things being equal What do we know of him? Jim uh, was certainly keen To get him in the door, Andrew
1: I think that is one That they have been looking at uh, For quite a long time And they. Looking at his, his uh, highlights reel, he looks a, a really decent player. I thought I'd said a lot about the character of the boy. He's only 21 years old. He had never, ever done an interview in English in his life, and yet he did his first Red TV interview in English. Now, that it may sound a small thing, but you're coming from a foreign land to a foreign land to you, people that you don't know at all. You're having to think... In your own language and translate into English in your head. Um, I believe there's there's one of the catering staff out at um, Cormac Park is Polish and was able to converse because there's various sort of synergies between um, Slovakian language and Polish language that he was able they were able to understand each other. Mm. But to to do your your interview in English says a lot about you know your bravery and your confidence in yourself. And if that transfers into his football, and looking at his showreel, he's certainly a very good football player. I think he looks like definitely one for the future that um, that Aberdeen can work on and hopefully have unearthed a, a real diamond.
0: And that bravery that you, you speak of um, sounds akin to someone like Lewis Ferguson going to Bologna and, and managing to do his first interview in English as well. Um, so, so now the uh, the rather unenviable task of taking a group of players who've been in not great form of late, I mean, Saturday aside, and and trying to mould them into a side which is capable of beating Rangers in uh, a League Cup semi-final in Glasgow on Sunday. How do you go about doing that, David? Mean, do you treat it in isolation and say, look, guys, here's a chance to reach a cup final and just work purely on that positive message of something that you can achieve? Or do you refer to the not-too-distant past and and that collapse in additional time at Pertodri? You know, here's a shot to right a wrong. You had this lot on the ropes the other week before it went Keystone Cops. How how do you go about approaching that, Dave?
2: You go about approaching it, the fact that uh, what Hamden appearances mean to Aberdeen fans and the Red Army and everyone connected with the club and how important they are to, to really... Give it a go without being, you know, going gung ho a la Jimmy style. But uh, actually, you know, we have a chance. We've we've matched them for 95 minutes not that long ago, although completely different occasion. Hamden, obviously, different from Pataudrey. But Hamden occasions are ones to be savoured. And the point you made about, you know, it's a chance to get to a cup final, that should be enough incentive for these players to really. Raise their game, and as they showed at Petardy not that long ago, you know if Rangers play a similar style, they're not firing off all cylinders. If we, you know, we don't really have to raise our game that much to uh, to, to be able to match them. So I think we go into it's a you know with a, a clean slate, forget about what's happened in the past, but. You know, remind the players of the of the good things that they've they've done against Rangers, and also the disappointment they felt when they, they lost the the two sucker punch. Right at the and thank you, Harvey. But it's a, it's
0: a chance to get to a final that should be enough. Andrew mentioned last week: um, had the Dons held on to that winning margin against Rangers at Petodra. We, we most likely wouldn't have followed on with the results that we did. We'd have taken seven, maybe nine points from the the successive matches because confidence would have been on a high, instead of in pieces having surrendered the lead. In those circumstances, okay, it's in Glasgow, they've been in better form. It's not unachievable. I mean, you have to believe it's doable. You have to go in with a a mindset this time to win the match somehow. Otherwise, your League Cup campaign is is done, Andrew, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. We're we're wondering, you know, how do you approach the game? Do you have a right go from the off or do you sort of try and build yourself into the game? I think you've got to take into, into account that there's going to be quite a lot of players there who are going to be appearing at Hamden for the very first time. Now, you hope that they're lifted by playing in the national stadium in front of a 50,000-strong crowd. They've played in front of a couple of 50,000 crowds already this season at Celtic Park and at Ibrox. But the Hamden experience is very different because of the history of the place, because you know you're only a step away from a cup final, etc. So it'll be interesting to see how some of the players adapt. Some will no doubt feel more nerves some will be invigorated by it and that I think is is another place where having someone like Graham Shinney, having someone like Joe Lewis there as well and Johnny Hayes, they're the only three really that are survivors of the the Derek McInnes era when it was a an almost four times a season visit to, to Hamden, albeit we never came away with any silverware but we were very regular visitors to Hamden and um, so They can draw on their experiences to to help those that haven't been there before through this game. I think Rangers, as Dave said, you know, they're not firing in all cylinders. I thought on Sunday against Dundee United, they were lacklustre in the first half. Then they get two quick goals in the second half, see the game out comfortably. That's what you hope is not going to happen on Sunday. You don't want them to get ahead because they are very good at once they're in, in the lead Getting themselves into a comfortable lead and then never letting go, but they're not quite so good when they've got to chase it. Albeit they did chase it at Petardry and managed to turn things around. So, it's an intriguing prospect. This one it really is. A lot will depend, as I say, on how the new faces at at Hamden handle the different pressures of being there.
0: I won't go through the entire team, but I I do think there are there are certain people who you can just sort of look at and and kind of know instinctively whether they'd embrace or shy away from from that environment. I think Leighton Clarkson, for instance, I think he would absolutely revel in it. Ross McCrory, same sort of thing. Without naming other players, there are some that I think, mm, not so sure about you. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose time will tell in that. But we'll get a score predictor in a second, guys. Just in terms of a game plan for the semi-final, I, I wonder what you would do. I, I'm of the belief, right, if we try and grow into the game and... Let Rangers have the ball They'll punish us And they'll win I think if we try And start quick And surprise them We might nick a goal Just like Ibrox But they're not going gift for how, how do you think We should go about the match Andrew In terms of game plan That we want to impose you into the game Score in the 90th minute And hang
1: <laughs> on <laughs> <laughs> Just score one goal
0: more than them. I'm yeah, that's that's when Boyer gets one off the back. Of the you know the left absolutely bunchy. yeah okay yeah, that's what that yeah, happens. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dave? I would prefer
2: like you to see them having a bit of a go from the the get go um, because the reaction of the fans will be you know it's very encouraging. Give our players confidence because the fans will respond positively if that's. The way they go about them, you know, and yeah, uh, you know, remember the the semi final when Fergie scored the the header that put us through. in yeah. the atmosphere there was absolutely fantastic. So, a similar type of approach is one that would be perfectly acceptable as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think, as Andrew touched on, the the players with the the Hamden experience in the past will be will be vital. And although there's not that many of them anymore, but you know it's it's a, a cup semi-final. It's a huge occasion for all the players, and one that they they must be made aware of what it actually means to this football club if we were to get to a final.
0: Okay, let's get a, a score predictor on the uh, via play Scottish League Cup semi-final between Rangers and Aberdeen. Dave, two one after extra time. Us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we required that last word, but okay. <laughs> um, and Andrew Rangers versus Aberdeen. I'm hoping and praying for the
1: the scenario that I mentioned earlier, us to to sneak a very late goal and get through one nil.
0: Okay, I'll be uber ambitious and say two nil. Uh, and before we leave the the senior dons and cup football altogether for now, an honourable mention has to go to Dean Campbell at uh, leading Giant Killer Stevenage to victory over Aston Villa in the FA Cup at the weekend. Lovely to see that, Dave, wasn't it? Yeah, I messaged. The, I watched the game and uh, I messaged him
2: afterwards. Um, because uh, saying well, there'll be no, uh, there'll be no doubt about that. That one was definitely yours because his only other goal in senior football was at Livingston, at the turn of the year, and there was when we went out to Dubai, I think the following day or two days after, there was still no word from League whether Dean had been credited with the goal <laughs> or whether it was no goal, and it wasn't. We found out over there. Um, but Dean well, hadn't been told until we did an interview with him for Red TV. And we actually said, "We, you've been credited with the goal. So he was more than chuffed. But he came back and said, yeah, no controversy this time. But uh, <laughs> delighted for him. And delighted for Craig Brown, because he's a huge friend of Steve Evans. And uh, Craig uh, messaged me yesterday to say that uh, Steve had been on the phone on Sunday night. And I can imagine <laughs> exactly what Steve was saying then. But uh, no, fantastic. Just a typical cup occasion and I was so delighted
1: I managed to find it on the red button. <laughs>
0: was it was it Dean that got um tripped for the penalty as well? Yeah yes yeah, exactly. so it, yeah, it, thought-
1: it was so he, he played a huge part yeah. in, in that and and even he was even more delighted that his girlfriend was there and his mum and dad had driven down from Aberdeen for the game as well. So he's got a great support unit behind him and he's done well down at, at Stevenage. He hasn't played an awful lot of games, but um, he's he's been playing in cup games. But but now, that you know, he's going to be a hero in Stevenage fans' eyes for decades to come now. Mm-hmm. So, and you've got to remember, Dean is still only 21, yeah. um, so you know, that's a big moment for him I've also got to say, a very best wishes to Niall McGinn, who has left Scottish football now to join Glen Torn uh, over Northern Ireland, I believe he's going to be a uh, player, coach across there. So, um, wish Niall all the very best. He'll, he's left us, certainly at with some fantastic memories of some of the goals that he's scored down the years for us. So, all the very best, pal.
0: Let's move on to the under-18s next, Andrew. Now, last time you were talking about the uh, the young Dons facing Bucky Thistle in the semi-final of the Aberdeenshire Shield. When's that one taking place? That takes place tomorrow night
1: at Victoria Park in Bucky, eight o'clock kickoff, And then... Following that game, Aberdeen's next under-18 league game against St Mirren has been switched from Friday night to Saturday afternoon. So it's a 2pm kick-off at Cormac Park. So it gives the Young Dons a, a little bit more breathing space between the two games. Although with St Mirren's first team playing on Friday night, it does mean that any of the fringe under 18, first team players who are still part of the under 18 squad will be available for Saturday. But uh, as Barry Robson said, I would always take the extra day's rest and over and above a slight strengthening of a squad. And then following that, Friday the 27th, they play against Hamilton Ackies in the Youth Cup at Cormac Park. That's a 7 pm kickoff, so an evening kickoff rather than. That they're normally afternoon kickoffs and Fridays, but um, uh, it's going to be a 7 pm kickoff. So, three big games coming up for, for Aberdeen. The hardest of them all being against Bucky, who haven't lost at home in three years in the Highland League, uh, followed by St Mirren, who we've, we've won comfortably against in the under 18 league. And then that big Youth Cup tie against Hamilton, who have beaten us 6 2, but we beat them 6 0. So, Nothing
0: each just looks to be on the scorecards <laughs> with like youth cup die. I tell you it actually fits quite nicely um the, the St. Marin game into uh, a Don's weekend. If you're you know if you're going down to the cup semi-final on Sunday, then maybe you could take in the under eighteens at Cormac Park Absolutely. Absolutely, I assume it is actually open to visitors. It is, yes. We, we don't yes. always stress that, but you can go along to Cormac Park uh, and cheer on the young lads. Now it's Aberdeen women going through a, a transitional period with no permanent management team in place as yet, but actually posting more positive results in this. And spell a draw against Spartans back on Sunday 4th December Uh, on Sunday past, the return to competitive action this time in the Scottish Cup against Hutchison Vale where they were expected to put on a good show against Leicester side at Balmoral Stadium but often those games are the ones where there's that bit extra pressure thankfully Aberdeen women eventually running out 2-0 winners next round of the Cup secured but as importantly Dave a shot of confidence?
2: Yeah I think so I mean it wasn't as probably as convincing as say Would have liked the, the 2 0, but it's through to the next round of the Cup, which was the, the main objective. Hopefully, a win's a win. And uh, as we've said earlier, it's all about confidence. And uh, if they can take that confidence into the next game, so much the better. But hopefully, the second half of the season will be a bit of an improvement and will get the management situation sorted sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, Aberdeen women's next match this coming Sunday again at Balmoral, back in league action against Hamilton Aquis. The test now, David, is to try and sort of add to that, you know, slow moving, albeit but uh, that momentum, isn't it?
2: Yeah, very much so. And uh, as I say, there will be a bit of uncertainty until the permanent managers are, are uh, put uh, in place. But uh, that that's certainly, you know, Gavin Levy and the rest of them will all do the job in the interim and doing a good job as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much a, a winnable game and one that at home particular, one that, that we'll be looking to pick up th- three points from.
0: So, fingers crossed. Cove Rangers next and is always the way. Literally no sooner had we stopped recording the show last week than Cove sacked their then-manager, Jim McIntyre, in the wake of that 6-1 demolition by Inverness. They've subsequently reappointed Paul Hartley. A swift, decisive action on Cove's part. Dave, I, I wonder though, would it have been as immediately terminal for Jim McIntyre had Paul Hartley not been waiting in the wings? Do you think they'd have sacked Jim anyway?
2: I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I must admit, I think both Andrew and I were quite surprised at at the the sacking. Paul had been to quite, quite a few Cove games since say, he came back from, from Hartlepool, uh, which, I don't know, might have put pressure on Jim McIntyre, but uh, certainly Keith Moorhouse and the board were well aware of of Paul's availability Mm. and in the circumstances at the beginning of a transfer window knowing that you can make a change very quickly is obviously a huge bonus so you know without knowing obviously the, the ins and outs of the story I would be doubtful if Jim would have gone at that point in time had Paul not being available. But I think great great appointment, although
0: not off to a great start, obviously. No, yeah. Paul just back in the door and then uh, only a couple of days before taking on Queen's Park at home. The final score in that one, 6-0 to the visitors. Interestingly, I noticed in the, in the press release um, stating the sacking of Jim McIntyre that the club wanted to act decisively whilst there was still the prospect of promotion available to them. Certainly optimistic framing of language Dave, but whether... That was the case when Paul came in. It's not going to stay that way for long with results like that. I heard Paul speaking after the game and he sounded genuinely shell-shocked. Like he couldn't believe it had gone so badly wrong in, in such a short time from him being away to coming back.
2: No, uh, absolutely. Uh, and I think uh, remaining in the Championship would be a success story for Cove Rangers this season. I mean, it is such a tight league that a few wins would take you right back, back up to the right end of the table. But at the moment... As Paul himself uh, mentioned, right at this point in time, they're in a, a battle to avoid the playoffs or relegation with our growth and Hamilton, the, the clubs beneath them. So uh, I would think consolidation is still the objective, which it, it certainly was the publicised objective uh, when they won League One and got themselves promoted to the Championship. And don't realistically, I don't see anything changing because to remain in the Championship for Cove, you know at the
0: rapid rate they've gone through the divisions, I think would be a a tremendous achievement. Next week, Cove back at home against, uh, this time, Wraith Rovers. Peter Head next, having installed new manager David Robertson an approved display and result last week with a 0-0 draw against Montrose. We queried then if it might be progress. Uh, Peter Head, remember, effectively in a a two-team league at the minute, it's a very simple task ahead of them. Finish above Clyde, then win the follow-up playoff to stay up. Last time with that draw, they closed the gap on Clyde to just two points. Saturday against Airdrie they had the chance to leapfrog Clyde with a win assuming they lost at home to Kelty Hearts well that part of the process came off Clyde going down 2-1 at home uh, as would Peter Head well they couldn't keep their end of the deal unfortunately going down 3-0 to Airdrie at Balmour. perhaps the tanker not quite turning direction just yet you did say uh, Airdrie blow a little hot and cold Andrew was was Saturday then blowing hot or just Peter Head blowing cold? A wee bit of both I think um David
1: Robertson's made five signings since he came in and you add to the that to the number of signings Jim McKenna has made this season and it's very very difficult to get any sort of consistency in team performance far less team con- uh, selection uh, when you've got that number of new faces it was nil-nil until the 84th minute up at Bill Moore, mainly thanks to a great penalty save and a, a, an excellent save from the follow-up by Tom Britchie, uh, who was named man of the match. But unfortunately, Airdrie scored an 84, 88 and 91 minutes. Mm. Uh, and it, it probably put a gloss in the scoreline that, that doesn't reflect how how much Peter Head put into the game. But, um, you know, uh, David Robertson has taken in Kieran Shanks from Arbroath you may remember the name Kieran Shanks from playing for Aberdeen's youth team a few years back. He went to Inveruri Locos, scored plenty of goals, went down to Arbroath, um, scored a couple of goals down there, but has fallen out of things at Gayfield. And so he's up at um, at uh, Balmoor now. So hopefully he can get a few goals there between now and the end of the season, because that has been the, the biggest stumbling block for Peterhead is the lack of goals. And that is something that really needs to be addressed as quickly as possible. But um, I think that's, that 3-0 scoreline against them on Saturday was a little misleading. But um, the next couple of games, they're away to league leaders than Firmland Athletic East End Park on Saturday. Now, that's a game that on paper looks a total lost cause. But if you recall, they were 2-0 down themselves last time that they visited Dunframlin with only a couple of minutes to play and managed to somehow scramble a 2-2 draw. So hopefully the memories of that will be rekindled on Saturday. Then the following week, while everybody else is involved in Scottish Cup action, there's a massive game at Peterhead, Peterhead against Clyde, the one that was called off just before Christmas, I think. Um, And Assuming that Clyde don't pick up anything against Falkirk at the weekend, it could still be that that is the game that the winner can either go five points clear if Clyde were to win it, or Peterhead could go a point clear of Clyde if they were to win it. So a lot still to be played for, but... um, you're, you're now getting to the that point in the season where Dave will remember this, when Aberdeen were going through the doldrums. and Roy can and Paul Hegarty saying... Roy, Roy It was Roy that always was. <laughs> and you are saying, Roy, you know, um it's getting difficult. We haven't won in ages. What are you talking about? 33 points to play for? And you're thinking, yeah, but we've taken six out of the last potential 50-odd or something like that. um So where are we gonna, suddenly going to get 33 points? But it is now getting to that stage where I think... You're absolutely right to describe it as a, a two-team league. It's a battle between Clyde and Peterhead to see who can avoid the relegation place and who can get themselves a second bite via the playoff.
0: Mm, and and that match uh, against Clyde assuming that the other uh, scores go as you suggest that is the very definition of must win Peter Heads next match as you mentioned uh, away to leaders Dunfermline on Saturday on to the Highland League now where Brechin entered the weekend and top spot unbeaten in the campaign so far this season Bucky Thistle second Fraserburgh third uh, as we went into this uh, next round of fixtures which ended like this Broder Rangers six Keith one for Martin United five Lossiemouth, nil. Forest Mechanics, eight. Straths Bay Thistle, one. Huntley, two. Town United, nil. Ninn County, three. Banks of D, nil. And I noticed uh, in uh, the week of that, the management team at Banks of D, I think, have, have now departed. Uh, Rothis nil. Brecon City, one. Wick Academy, nil. Bucky Thistle, one. Devonville, two. Fraserborough, three. And Inveruri Locos two. Clackna Cutton. Four and those results left the table like this. Breaking still top uh, on 50 points, Bucky second, just one point behind, but having played a game more at Fraserborough in third, eight points back on 41. In the juniors, Dave, yeah, you mentioned
2: Banks of D. I mean, I, I was quite surprised that Jamie Watt, Roy McVeigh were relieved of their, their duties, they've done a tremendous job there. You know, if it wasn't for the, the, the points deduction, they'd be right up there. They've had some tremendous results, they've certainly. You know, I have no no idea what was behind it, but it does seem on the face of it uh, a bit
1: a bit harsh. But that's football, as we know. Another managerial casualty, Richard Hastings, leaving Inverbury yeah, locals um, after losing at home to, to Clachnick Arden. So all change in the managerial stakes in the, the Highland League there as well, which could impact and some of the junior managers who will be the ambitious ones will be looking and saying, oh, I can maybe do these jobs.
2: Yeah, and it's all change at the top of the... Given it's the start of the new year, McBookie.com NRGFA Premier League with Cooter taking over at the top after an 8 2 victory over bottom side Dufftown at the weekend. And Cooter's uh, uh, goal difference is now one better than Hermes, who were the leaders. Controls nil, 0, Colony Park 0, Nairns, 4, Bankers, Dernum, 1 in the Championship, Burkett Thistle 0, Devonside 2, could 3, uh, Banks of the JFC 3A2, alongside four Los Mouth United 2, New Elgin nil, New Macle United 5, and Rothley Rovers 3, Aberdeen Uni 3. In the Quest Engineering Cup uh, round 2, so it was last 16, Bridget on Thistle 3, Buckinghaven Hearts nil, Dice 2, Islevale 2, Islevale went through 4 2 in penalties, Ellen United 0, Mod 4, Forest 1, Stonehaven 4. Uh, Glen Tanner one, Stonywood Parkvale one. Glen Tanner going through four two in pens. Hermes four East End nil. Sunnybank three b ninety three, and Sunnybank going through four two on spot
0: kicks. And uh, also in tennis this week, Dave.
2: Yeah, well, we had the Northeast Indoor Junior and Senior Championships. Uh, the Senior Championships. Say uh, Aberdeen's Bruce Strachan, who plays for Barrington Park in Edinburgh, he won the men's singles title. Jed Alexander from Stirling University was the runner up. And in the women's event, it was Sorcha Caves from Newlands, uh, who defeated Zoe Moffat, the number two seed from Gifnuk, although Zoe had to retire when Love four down in the second set, having taken the first. And uh, also, just a a wee word for uh, Barry Duncan and CNR International for stepping in to sponsor the junior event which took place last week at Aberdeen Tennis Centre, and thanks to their sponsorship, the event actually took place because it was in danger of falling by the wayside. So, a really good start uh, for for the the new year for the uh, for the tennis locally the 16 under event was won by eagles Freddie Miller. Uh, he beat Jay Sevarajan from David Lloyd Aberdeen and in the girls final it was Belfield Park from Inverness Chloe Pat- uh, Chloe Sanderson who defeated the top seed Lindsay Campbell Morrison
0: from Hillhead in Glasgow. well done. Belfield Park in Inverness, my goodness. That, you know, that well. takes that takes me back. I was trying to think what the tennis courts are. I was never on those. The putting green's just beside it, possibly. Uh, that is pretty much it for episode 64 of Petaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Dawn's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Petaudry PS. We'll see you next
2: time.